the purple mm-hmm. pitcher plants they are? are That's w- our only native species in this area. Yeah. Is down it Saracenia? Saracenia purpurea. Yeah. Yeah, down south they've got a lot more. Like when do you have time Yo, to... plants are my side piece. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love... I fucking love... I wish I knew more so that I could also have a podcast about plants because I would talk about them for hours. Mostly green... <laughs> Leafy plant. His dysfunction like reveals itself in layers <laughs> like an onion. What's the Latin for onion, Sean? I don't know. Okay, thank God. Foul Mouth Podcast. It's about birds. Welcome back to Foul Mouths. Our guest this episode is a change from our usual bird-centric irreverence. We've got ungardening extraordinaire Aubrey Courageon. Aubrey takes us to task on all things plants, from pollinator-friendly backyards to curing your plant blindness. So if you like listening to us sound like complete ignorant assholes, this is sure to be your favorite episode yet. Yeah. Can you say your last name? Courageon. Courageon. Yeah. Say I would never have gotten yeah. that. Raging Courageon. Wow. So they called Scott. me. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's her professional wrestler name. <laughs> Deep cuts. Scott. <laughs> throw out nicknames. I love it. I mean, with a name like... Courageous. I feel like this invites all sorts of awesome. Yeah, all sorts of I got awesome crazy names. raisin for a while. Crazy raisin. <laughs> that a that doesn't even one. rhyme. It doesn't. No. It doesn't work. But That's like a Michael rampaging courageous. Um, what else do I got? Like Peterson is nothing. It's just like. What, yeah, what do you got that's for why me? I didn't take it. What do you got for me? <laughs> what do you got for Strikers? <laughs> Holy shit. Fucking oh, that's just cool. Strikers, it just sounds awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. just its own thing. Yeah, it is its own thing. All right. Are you Armenian? Yeah. Man. 50%. Wow. Wow. Mm. Yeah, it's fun. It's Everyone, fun. <laughs> like 30% of people are like, oh, your name, that's, that's, oh, I know what it is. Wait, don't tell me. Like, yeah. You see, did you see my, like, me going like this for, like, <laughs> a minute? It's just... Well, I used to, used to listen to System of a Down, so that should have came up immediately. Yes. But because now I'm a mother and I'm brain dead, I'm like, I know this. I know this. Yeah. Armenian. Children actually suck your intelligence mm-hmm. out your nipples. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like literally. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So when when people ask you, are you, what's the thing that they get wrong instead of Armenian? No, they usually either can't think of it or know oh, of it. Okay. They either like, right. like, oh yeah, my my dad's roommate's cousin was. I'm like, cool, That's fine. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, we're cool story, bro. <laughs> I know that. Like, I probably know him if you could just remember just his name. Yeah, if only. Like, I have a friend who um, she was dating a guy, and he's a pretty well known tattoo artist now. But his last name is Shishmanian, mm. and that's like he, he goes by Shish. Yeah, but like that is like the craziest mm. one I've heard. I, yeah, These are, they're all, they're all kind of like that. Yeah. yeah, I can't even. My, I feel pretend. like mine's simpler, but I feel like that's also because my family's been here for like a generation. Yeah, so mm. like it's been toned it down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Right. Did they anglophile the spelling at all? Like, well, Armenian make... is totally different characters, so okay. it would have. So really? Yeah. No, it's its own language. Oh shit! It's actually like really based along the family tree of languages. Oh it's wow! Pretty neat. That's yeah. really cool. There's... We could talk about that for a while too. I'm <laughs> no, totally I don't know down anything about languages. Get into the linguistics and such. <laughs> Shall we? We haven't actually done it yet. Are our levels done? Good? What that level started? Oh, uh, this is the episode. This is just how we roll. Oh, nice. <laughs> so speaking of Hi. speaking of people who um, come to the United States and change their names, my dad is very fond of of talking about a friend of his uh, whose family came here and they were Norwegian, mm-hmm. um, but their last name was 
something with like an O with a dash through it or something. Yeah. And they're just like, we want something American. And they give them Rubenstein. <laughs> <laughs> wow. My, my, dad's, like, we don't know where my dad's like, you. before this story came up, he's like, you probably get this a lot, but Rubenstein. <laughs> the guy was like a six foot four blonde hair, oh blue eyed, obviously Scandinavian <laughs> fellow. Uh, oh, that's, that's hilarious. That's pretty funny. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. Also, Ellis Island, sorry, right? no offense to anyone. That's just a good story. Um, I know Ruben. someone with the last name Rubenstein, but are they giant Norwegians? Yeah, we're no, constantly. We can make fun of him all we want. Okay. <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> and they're just throwing people under the bus for our past. <laughs> that's great. I haven't heard from him in years. Fuck yeah. him. Aubrey Courageous. Did I say it right? You did. Yes. Ungardening. I said that right. Yes. Welcome yeah. to fucking foul mouths. Yeah. We're going to do a real live introduction right now for you. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Yeah, really excited. Thank you We're so much for joining us. We're fucking stoked <laughs> to not talk about birds on yeah. the episode for a while. <laughs> yeah. I am stoked. Yeah, I have so we've many been fucking talking, questions. Like, we've been recording a lot of episodes all at once, so mm. we're kind of bird, birded out. I, I didn't know that was a poss- like possible, especially with Sean. Mm. Shut up. <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm excited to yeah. talk because I really also don't know like anything about birds. Um, Perfect. We don't either. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. great. Um, so let's oh, just cool. break into into the the fucking the meat, right? Who are you? What do you do? Give us the fucking spiel. Yeah. So, um, do you want me to start with like now or back in time? Hey. Back in time. It's mm. your time machine. Use it how you need <laughs> to. Right. Yeah, history is fun. Cool. Yeah, so... <laughs> we like history. Awesome. So that I was a history buff. Oh, cool. <laughs> Her <laughs> eyes are just you. darting from side to side. <laughs> oh, no. Really awkwardly. Um, cool, yeah. So I grew up here in central Connecticut, up in Durham. Um, and I grew up on about an acre and a half of property that had a vernal pool in the backyard. So I just spent all of my time outside, um, wandering around, playing with tadpoles and butterflies and trying to eat everything I could pick. Um, so I kind of forced my mom to learn all about plants, too. And it just kind <laughs> of um, spiraled from there. So I focused a lot on it in my youth, and then I went to Cornell and studied um, ecology, basically, but my degree was called the Science of Natural and Environmental Systems, so it's essentially an ecology, uh, a systems-based view of ecology. I love systems. Me too. <laughs> I really systems like great. systems. Um, yeah, so I, I did that, and then I graduated and did that field technician thing for a while, bouncing around the country. I worked out in Nevada for the Bureau of Land Management doing um, arid land restoration and seed collection. Oh, wow. Um, it was really cool. Nevada's a really magical place. Um, and then I worked for uh, Duke and Indiana Universities doing some um, forest ecology field research technician work, so mostly tree census and stuff. Um and then I decided I did not want to continue in academia, moved back here to Connecticut. I got a job at, as an, at an environmental firm as a junior ecologist, doing a lot of like compliance surveys and things. And I started ungardening native plants. Um, when the hell did you have time to live in the Galapagos Islands? I studied abroad for three months, my junior year of college, and I you chose did, the Galapagos I Islands. I did. I chose. I did. Because um, it's just such an incredible. Um, yeah. So I, I speak that, Spanish a bit. Um, so I thought that would be great to go somewhere in South or Central America, and just the the ecology and evolution there is just unbridled. I did a month on the mainland, and then three months um, on the island itself. It's so far from Italy, though. 
Isn't that where everybody goes to study abroad? <laughs> Italy? Like Italy or France? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. I was like, Sean, check a map. <laughs> it oh. is like, so very Italy far from Italy. Yes. My eyes like popped open. It's a really long gondola ride. Yeah, I will it say is. It's a lot. I did a lot of study abroad in I did only. Well, you have to pull over. Yeah, you, you <laughs> need really deep pulls. So you can push really the bottom. Long pulls. Yeah. yeah. The Mario trench really. I, I only. <laughs> yeah, you basically just have to hope the currents take you the right yeah. way. <laughs> I only oh, did man. it over like the breaks, but I did. In, I did Italy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. See, I'm not far off base here. Basic. So, Italy's not in South America. How fucking Sean. rad is Galap- Are the Galapagos Islands just? It's incredible, but there are people there, and I feel like a lot of people forget oh. that. It is very populated. Not very, very populated. It's not New York, but... Um. Don't they have their own, like, really fucking scandalous family? Oh, that was in the 1800s. Oh. Yeah, damn. there was a big scandal, lots of um, menage a trois and fun stuff and Ooh. some murder, yeah. but... Um, is this murder. where the guy... Is this where the German doctor who knocked out all his teeth and had the metal dentures moved to? That sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. He and his wife. I will link to this in the show notes. Um. (laughs) Yeah, and then and then she killed him or something like that. No, he. But somebody did die. There was uh, murder. Involved. There was there was yeah. murder. Oh right, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the We're not a the guy was some guy. sort of like <laughs> health nut who believed that your food should be chewed like a like hundred and fifty times, Holy and shit. and real teeth just didn't cut it, so of. he had to have like these awful metal dentures. But they only had one set. They only had one set, the, and they shared like, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, I think that was in the like eight late eighteen hundreds, yeah. early nineteen hundreds, and right right. prior to that, yeah, I did mm. not meet them. <laughs> so, you didn't wear the dentures. I did not wear the dentures. <laughs> right. Boy, this story didn't go. Where I was hoping <laughs> the, the, right. the Finches actually <laughs> stole the dentures and they use them now. That's oh, amazing, Christ. <laughs> um. But yeah, so in the in the mid to late 1800s, there was kind of a call throughout Europe to get people to move there. Um, and that was a, one influx of residents. But then a lot of folks moved over from um, the mainland of Ecuador in the, the middle of the, the 1900s. Um, and by by the 80s, there was a pretty hefty population. And now there's about 30,000 people. So of course, with people come invasive plants, came invasive animals. So um, the Galapagos is not this pristine, wonderful place of nature it really has all, all the same problems that everywhere else has Jesus. thanks people yeah God, what are some of the invasive animals oh goats and oh. dogs and cats oh, rats of course it's and probably, rats probably cockroaches probably, probably american cockroaches, cockroaches. probably yeah, they can fly oh, they just ones. flew over yeah. there but the the we plants we only know that because jason ward said that thanks, <laughs> thanks jason, jason. <laughs> um the plants actually interestingly one of our lovely natives Black raspberries are incredibly invasive there. Oh, wow. Yeah, black raspberries and guava are their two worst invasives. The so tastiest really... invasives I can yeah. possibly think right. of. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, I hate that really so much. Damn it, blackberries. Yeah. So we'll talk about invasives, right? That's what we wanted to ask. Are you, you about. done with your history? I feel like I don't. I don't. I don't Sean, know. you're just. Am I? <laughs> I don't know. I'm doing it. I'm sorry. Um. Yeah, I don't know if so there's you, much else. So the Galapagos. Came up, oh, because you asked, like, when did she have time? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because you sound yeah. like you're a really busy person. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, probably. I oh, am. I can't really stop, so it's only <laughs> well, way to do things. How did you yeah, come so. to start on gardening? Yeah, that's where I left off. Cool. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, so I, after I decided that uh, field research really wasn't my thing, I didn't really want to sit in, in my 
office doing statistical analysis Weird. all day, um, and I really wanted to do work that helped the world faster. Yeah. Research and baseline studies are incredibly important, but we are encountering so many problems that are like just getting out of hand rapidly. So I moved back to Connecticut because that's where my family is. And what I saw here was that there really was no one providing truly local native plants. When you go to the nursery center, they're all from the Midwest or native ours, so cultivated varieties of native plants. And um, I really wanted to provide people with the, uh, the most locally native plants possible to embark on a journey of restoration gardening. So taking their little parcels, whatever they have, and helping turn that back into a little functioning piece of the broader ecosystem instead of just a little humanly designed parcel. There's um, so much to unpack in that. that is I know. I, I just thought of like 20 I, questions. I literally, <laughs> yeah, that's, Jesus. I was, opening, I was opening a beer, so I'm going to let you guys take the beer. No, <laughs> seriously, go because yeah. I'm um having a hard well time one question that we were thinking of <laughs> was like you know in birding there's a spark bird there's yeah. a bird that like sparks your interest and then you're addicted mm -hmm. um was there a spark plant or a spark moment for you I don't think so, really. No. Yeah, I think just I kind of rolled out of my mom and into the mud. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, it sounds like our son. Lucky mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, quite literally, though, I was born at home, so I, I awesome. very much rolled out. Um, so, yeah, no, I kind of have been infatuated with all aspects of nature from a very young age. Um, I'm kind of really, I'm only focused on plants now because that's the most um, manipulable variable of an ecosystem. You can put plants back in them, it's kind of hard to be like, hey, Kestrel, come here. Um, <laughs> right. So it's just yes. kind of as the baseline. Yeah, and nice. so, like, when did the moment strike you of doing ungardening then? Um, it was about two years ago, I guess. I just really I saw this big gap in the market, and then every person that I talked to who was involved with native plants was like, yeah, there is no one doing that. We really could use that here. Um, and then I just kind of started from there. I spoke with the um, our town conservation commission and got permission to collect seed on all of our town open spaces, which is a pretty hefty, I, I would say about 10% of the town, so it's a decent amount of space. Um, I've just been kind of tacking on every little bit I can continue tacking on from there. Where did you learn about um, seed collecting? So I, when I was in Nevada, um, I was work doing seed collection um, through the federal program um, Seeds of Success. So I used their kind of um, formula of collection to base my collecting protocol on here. Um, and that, what yeah. like goes into that? Um, so it's just basically knowing where the whole population is, being sure you're like super knowledgeable about what it is and what the conservation status is. And I only ever collect things that are on um, a status of least concern. Um, I'm hoping in the future to maybe work with folks around the state to try and collect some of those um, more threatened species and try and work to bring them back. But um, yeah, I'm just focusing on the species of least concern and then going out scouting for them. So I spent all last summer scouting around. Every day I was out in the field and then just coming back when they're in, in seed, getting it and then storing it um, in my fridge. So okay. You have like a seed bank going and everything. Yeah. Man. It's it's something. It's yeah. What is the giant seed bank that's in 
the ground somewhere. The ground somewhere that they had this oh. huge problem with. Like it actually like leaked and there was this huge issue. I, I should really look the stuff yeah, up before I... I just throw it out there. But <laughs> I, I would, it's the only seed bank I know. I know that there's a yeah. big like... But yours is just a refrigerator. Yes. This is not like a, an underground bunker. No, not no, yet. it's not a bunker yet. Okay. No, I'm a... Well, it's... My, my goal is that it is a living seed bank, so to gird the seeds out into the plants so that they can be collected from and kind of be a, um, a founder plot is a term that's getting a lot, of, a lot of play recently of just a place where you can collect seed from the area, have it growing, and then people can come and use that for restoration on their own properties or um, yeah. local groups can grow those plants up and sell them for fundraisers, but to just keep the local genetics local. Mm-hmm. So why the fuck should we care about, like, not about about getting rid of things like honeysuckle or and stuff like that like like why should we care as like just as layman you know like people with a backyard who are like oh but i really like the way it looks and smells really sweet in the summer you know what what is this shit doing to us why do people have to care i didn't mean that to be so aggressive (laughs) no 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 that's fine yeah no totally yeah so um and they kind of can be kind of funny because you look out at a an abandoned lot that's full of invasive plants and you're like oh there's birds flying around i can see the bugs there's honeybees what's the matter but so many of our native insects um about 50 percent of our pollinators are specialists so that means that just like the monarch who needs the milkweed they rely on a single species or a genus or a couple closely related genera to complete their life cycle some of them require multiple different genera at different stages of their life cycle so even though you might be seeing uh, an ecosystem with a couple of birds and a couple of insects and a couple of plants that is a shell of the the native ecosystem that would be functioning there so when these invasive plants come in they through many different means they can out compete the native flora and then the only insects and birds that can survive on them are those very few generalists and that leaves the system really uh, vulnerable to any sort of disturbance. In ecology, a lot of our systems rely on a principle of redundancy. So you have 30 different tree species. So when chestnut blight comes in and knocks out your chestnuts, you don't lose all of your full-size trees. But if all of your full-size trees are Alanthus or Tree of Heaven and something comes in and knocks that out, well, there's not going to be anybody left there to take over. Um, so just for the idea of stability in the landscape they're really important but then of course there's always so much of our uh, human world is the result of things we've discovered in nature so so many of our medicines and things and there's just that possibility that if we lose something we're we're never going to get that back so any benefit that we could have gained from that species just like from a very human-centric point of view it's silly it's pointless to lose that to let them go away because then we just don't have that anymore like the way it looks in my mulch so mm. like is yeah. it, i mean i don't really like that i fucking hate that shit mm-hmm. I, like we're looking at houses right now mm-hmm. and where we were and one of them had a rose bush in the yard and somebody was like oh it's such a nice rose bush i was like you can fucking have it if we get the house and I'm like what and i was like that piece of shit is gone we're putting in like rhododendron right away or something mm-hmm. like that that like is real like really actually beneficial but I mean, how do you fight that shit? Because yeah. it's, I mean, how how much of it is just like tacky homeowners' fault? Yeah, yeah. A lot of our native, or a lot of our um, invasive plants are the result of the horticultural industry. So the honeysuckles, the burning bush, the um, Japanese barberry, all of those were brought in because we thought they were beautiful. Even uh, Japanese knotweed, all of those were brought in because they were beautiful. Don't and be weed. Wait, Third when time. is Japanese yes. knotweed beautiful? 
Uh, the Botanic Societies in the 1800s thought it was amazing and tropical and gave this lovely feel. I don't know. I don't Whoa. understand them. They These thought are the a lot assholes of silly that things. also brought starlings over yes, here, they right? Are. So yeah. you're like... if, if you want to see like how beautiful this really is and you're local to New Haven, you should head to the uh, <laughs> East Rock Park. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you can see <laughs> it anywhere, but like, it's really, really bad. If you just go up Orange Street, cross the bridge over the Mill River, make a left into onto the trail there, mm-hmm. and it's literally a nothing field. but knotweed from bottom to top, yeah. and it's choked out everything around it. And there's nothing And left. it's like 12 feet tall. And yeah. it just keeps growing. Yeah, yeah, we didn't know anything about knotweed until we had a community garden plot. Mm. And then we're like, what is this shit? Yeah. And then it's like... Oh. Burn it with fire. Yeah. So the one slightly good thing about Japanese knotweed is it is edible yeah. in a bunch of different ways. So you can it's maybe like cry... Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. stew out of it? Um, you can chop the then the shoots are young. You can chop them and treat them like green beans. They don't taste like green beans. They taste more like rhubarb, but you can kind of treat them like that. Um, I've also made wine out of it, and it's pretty good. Um, don't give me wine. Do does it do the trick? It does. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've I've only the heard trick it is uses I'm all rhubarb. Like rhubarb wine. Yeah. So instead of doing like rhubarb pie, doing donkey wheat pie. Exactly. Oh, that yeah. Delicious. Donkey I'll wheat. Pie. Heather's donkey weed pie. You throw some. <laughs> Like pears or peaches into that donkey weed pie. I don't, I don't care for donkey weed. No way, no how. <laughs> I don't like it. Well, well um, if it starts growing in our, divided, our backyard, you, I'm going to cook it. B- burning with fire. Um, so, Aubrey, mm-hmm. was there... So, um, we just ripped out a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. uh, in the front. A bunch of completely non-native <laughs> plants. Mm-hmm. And we have a sort of blank canvas. And we've got some, we've got some stuff in mind. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, just throwing that out there, and um, <laughs> and so and so we uh, we did buy a bunch of um, local. Uh, well, I mean the authors aren't local. I guess they're just like books on uh, plants native to the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, one is specific to Connecticut, mm-hmm. um, and I'm wondering, like, uh, sort of like if you're standing on shoulders, mm-hmm. like what that looks like, because it seems like. When you were talking about the the people, um, you know, who said, "Wow, that's an amazing idea. You should do it." It seems like nobody else was really doing this. That like these books exist, but there's like nowhere to go to find the stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the problem here in Connecticut. Like okay. we've got Garden in the Woods up in Massachusetts, who has their local plants there, and um, there's bunches of places in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, and there's a few. Um, native plant focused uh, landscape designers in the state here but um i don't most of their plants are native ours um so that means that they're not truly the the wild type and what i'm was mm. trying to what i'm trying yeah. to do is really get those plants that have the whole breadth of the genetics that exist in the wild population cuz then you're not just bringing a clone and native ours sometimes are quite literally cuttings they're clones so especially with trees um you could buy 50 red maples plant them in your yard and they're all one individual essentially so you're not really bolstering the population and you're putting yourself at risk if that tree tends to happens to be a little more sensitive to the hot weather they're all gonna die at the same time so Mm. by having plants that have that really the as much genetic diversity as possible and truly our local genetic diversity here, um, it's going to help uh, build the environment back up better. Um, 
So the only way to do this, this isn't like the, the, the solution to this problem is not going to Lowe's and buying what you think is a native <laughs> like yeah. butterfly milkweed. Yeah. The solution is get a foraging license and find it in the wild and bring it home or... Yes, so I wouldn't recommend that anyone ever dig up any plant in the wild because that mm. is poaching and that is illegal. Um, that's but, why you need the license. Yeah, that's why you would need a license. Um, and it just beyond it being illegal, you're very likely to end up with other things in that soil that you don't want. And they might be invasive plants. So you might be introducing a new invasive to your yard by going out and digging up some native plant. And you're hurting that native population. And we have about 4,000 species here in Connecticut. So... How good are your ID skills? Are you mm -hmm. sure that that plant that you whatever you think it is is what you think it is? No. Yeah. So that's like, that's a big <laughs> that was, challenge. I, I was going to are... say yes, but I'm probably wrong. <laughs> we go out in the field, and you know, we've we've been trying to like you know get better at plant identification, mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, I think it's it could be. I don't. Nah, I don't know. Yeah. You have to be so good at knowing like anatomy at that point to get into the real nitty gritty, like mm -hmm. really knowing like anatomy and that like that shit's hard. Yeah. Like, is that even is enough? I mean, so... does it does it require a certain amount of isolation? Uh, like, in other words, how how <laughs> you just said like you could dig something up mm -hmm. and end up with four hundred things mm -hmm. that you don't even know you're getting. Yeah. Um, maybe this is a good segue into like, what are you looking for? Like, how does this process work? Yeah, so I only collect seed from the wild. Um, I will dig up plants from my clients' yards when if they've got something that is uh, escaping the space that they have decided they want to give it. Um, so, but really collecting from the wild seed is the best way to go because that way you're also maximizing the genetic diversity of what you collect because right. each seed is a unique individual. So um, uh. there's definitely like degrees of of good of what's better and best like going to the garden center and buying some cultivar of a mountain laurel is definitely better than buying a honeysuckle so it's it's a native plant but it just doesn't have the same strength as the wild native plants but it's still good and especially with the shrubs a lot of our native shrubs are available in the horticultural market so that can definitely be a great place to start if you want to just like pop something in the ground yeah. but then what i really recommend is just letting whatever wants to come in come in a lot of native plants will be able to find their own way home and then you know that they're local because you didn't buy them from anywhere they they found their own way home Huh. But that's a, at that point, you still need to be able to ID the bad yeah. shit and, and get it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're always having to tame tame the space, right? Yes. Like you have to give it an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So you're mitigating like the the invasion at, at that point. Yeah. So what I recommend, what I would recommend people do is focus on the invasives in their yard and manage those. Okay. There's a lot of great resources to to identify them, and they're all. Most of them are pretty distinct. Um, we do have a native bittersweet, but it's not the one you have in your yard. I can almost guarantee it. Um, but most of our invasive plants are pretty unique. And once you get a, a kind of visual on them and you start removing them all from your yard, then you're going to see things that aren't them. And then I would take like one or two at a time and learn who they are. And not all introduced non-native plants are invasive. We have right. tons of naturalized plants, as they're called, that are from somewhere else but still behave well here. And you can keep those in your yard. If you like them, they're going to help lots of our generalists. They might even help some of our specialists. Queen Anne's lace is not native, but that doesn't bother the black swallowtails at all. They absolutely love it. They love your fennel. So just because something isn't 
completely native doesn't mean it needs to be treated like an invasive species. So it so, can. What are Rosa Sharon? Mm. Yeah, Rosa Sharon is invasive. Yeah. That's yes. a gnarly one. Yeah, it really um, does spread. It does. It's, it's like, crazy. Yeah. It's just really spreading out there. Yeah, the, that's, the bees love it. They do. And, so, the, and the hummingbirds. So it's mm. the bad behavior we're looking for. Exactly, yeah. Invasive is really a, a way of acting. Um, yeah, the Rosa Sharon is one that I definitely get the most people being like, but it's so beautiful. I don't want to tear it out. Chop down the flowers after they bloom. Just don't let it go to seed. And then it won't be able to spin. Yeah, so use it liberally in bouquets. The flowers, um, it, it's a hibiscus. So the flowers you can make a tea out of. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ways you can, you don't have Realize to go it. all out. But yeah, especially with the shrubby species, just stopping them from reproducing. Well, yeah, really I like mean, I, yeah. I thought of it because it just roots all over the place. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. this is crazy. And This is this is really bad news for our neighbor, Nick, because I <laughs> promised him one. And now I'm going to have to burn it in front of him. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. We also gave him our... Um, our hosta. Hosta. <laughs> that we tore out. He's like, I'll take some. I'm like, all right. I hate hosta. Oh, uh, well. Yeah. Chickens love hosta. Deer love hosta. Yeah. Yeah, deer do. do love hosta. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So then <laughs> what are some good things to plant in the Northeast? Yes. Yeah, so... Specifically, like, at, um, I don't know, our front yard. As far as shrubs or wildflowers? Mm, both. Um, well, we want to do, we want to do blueberries, but that's what, you know, it was, it was great that you brought that up because, like, you know, it's going to be hard to find local blueberry bushes yeah blueberries are one you actually probably will have some good success oh, good. with yeah um and if you're planting something with you wanting to harvest it in mind then it's fine if it's a native R. we have um <clears throat> some native R uh elderberries in our yard because they're the ones we we harvest and make elderberry things out of mm. so it's really like your your yard is yours so you can make those decisions um but other native shrubs that are really great are any of the dogwoods. They're wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of really depends on what your, your yard is. Mm -hmm. So um, I would recommend taking a good hard look at your yard, seeing what your shade is like and what it looks like, and then going out and hiking in similar areas around you and then seeing what is growing in those environments. Um, in my town, we had... Japanese a, not weed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go a little further yeah. out. <laughs> um we have this beautiful open space, White's Farm, and a few years ago, a group of people, the, I, I'm not sure if it was the Garden Club or who, put in this wonderful native garden of blueberry and mountain laurel and all of these things that do not want to live in a floodplain at all. <laughs> uh, and they all died. They all got overtaken by mugwort, and it just didn't work. Uh, so uh, there is kind of an overwhelming number of native plants, but... They don't all grow everywhere. So once mm -hmm. you figure out what your microclimate is, if you want to go real crazy, test your soil acidity. Go out and test the soil acidity in the woods. See what's similar and what works. Um, mm. Like wild. with like a with like a hand like they. I know we have like a soil test kit that's like mm -hmm. in hand. Yeah, they make little simple ones where it's um, just a little bit of liquid in a test strip. Mm. I think it's just water in the test strip. Mm. Um, so it's been a minute since I that's used them. That's cool. Yeah. You really have to like take real fucking ownership of your space. You have to like really, really understand what you're looking at and what's gonna be beneficial. You're trying to create, like with yards, you're basically creating like edge habitat most of the time, yeah, right? Yeah, Which is like super crucial for birds. Mm -hmm. I know, we know that birds like warblers, all the warblers that we love in the spring are hanging out in edge habitat for the, primarily, at least while they're flying through. 
Yeah. Yeah, and edge habitat is one of the habitats that's really edge and uh, young forest habitat are really the ones that are in the most decline um, in our state. But the other thing is just plants grow so much more densely in nature than we let them in our yard. So that's a kind of other big perceptual shift is like you can have so many more plants growing in your yard than you can when they're all horticultural things that need heavy amounts of fertilizer because our native plants are used to growing in our soils with their levels of nutrients so they can interact and live in much greater density than we kind of expect them to. We, dropping some serious knowledge here. It's so funny though, because you like you say it, and then I'm like, holy shit! Like, <laughs> Jesus, how do I miss this shit walking around? Yeah. Like I feel like as birders, we're very perceptive in mm -hmm. this regard. We're always right. looking. Mm -hmm. We're very. We have acute like vision and we yeah. see movement. Like we're we're keen. We've we're keen strong eyes, and attractive right? people. We're, right? <laughs> yeah. And God damn it, people like yes. us. People, people think we're great. We've uh, got great vision, beautiful eyes sometimes. But I literally fucking walk through this shit right next to this shit, mm. like interact with it intimately looking for like Right. Chestnut sided warblers. Yeah. And I never fucking know. And you're just that. tramping the natives. <laughs> but no, even if I'm abiding by trail yeah. like good ethics, I don't notice that mm -hmm. like those fucking flycatchers are sitting in like a long, long standing like growth of like, and there's a fuck ton of different things mm -hmm. in there that they're like interacting with. Like you just don't, I don't think about it. I see like one tree and I don't notice that everything else is around it. And now hopefully I'll be a little more. A little bit more mindful of There's that. More Thank than you. One, I just, I'm just saying that I feel like an asshole. <laughs> well, no, it's you know what's yeah, so. it's funny. Like, the way that I look at it is like you know um, when you go into the woods before you're a birder, you're you just see the woods. Then be, you become a birder and you kind of realize like things become smaller in that you notice more detail in the woods and you yeah. start noticing things you didn't notice. Layers of canopy. Yeah. And, stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and then if you're doing plants. That's even, like, more, like, just very narrowed, zoomed in. Yeah, I, um, so a lot of people talk about the idea of, like, plant blindness, but I yes. think it's almost more like plant literacy. So looking at a, a landscape, it's kind of like looking at a page of a language that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. And then, like... Say say it's Mandarin, so like you're looking at that page of Mandarin, but you don't understand anything. But you spend a lot of time at the Chinese restaurant, so now you know that that glyph, that word means chicken. So now you can start popping that out, and then it's kind of the same way. So you look at the landscape, and you're like, well, I don't know what all this is. Oh, but that's a goldenrod. Okay, and I see that, and I see that other similar one. And then you can start to patch things together as you learn bit by bit. And then once you start recognizing more and more things, then you'll be able to things will, that you don't know will jump out at you. And you're mm -hmm. like, all right, I don't know what that is, but I know I don't know it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then that can be a this really is, helpful yeah. way to go. This is probably really familiar to birders, too. Because right. it's like when you don't know birds, you see a billion different kinds of birds. And yeah. then when you start to know a few, mm -hmm. right, you, yeah. this phenomenon takes over. Yeah, and then I'm sure with birds, there's the same thing of there's tons of variation within a species. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know that that trait kind of like doesn't matter for ID, you have no idea what you're looking at. And then with yeah. plants, mm -hmm. a lot of like, colors, some colors are just super um, gradients. So uh, whites to purples. Sometimes an individual plant will change color based off the weather in the sun. Um, so it can, That's once you smart. know what you're like actually looking for, all of those other things that don't really matter kind of fade into the back. Mm. Yeah, yeah. right now when we go on our trail and there's like some purple mm -hmm. flower, I'm like, okay, it's Virginia creeper. Uh -huh. Or, okay, it could be spiderwort 
or those I don't, weird violets I don't, that spread everywhere. I don't know. Yeah. It's purple. And then by the end, I'm yeah. like, it's purple. Mm, yeah. Purple I don't know what the fuck I'm Do, looking at. Yeah, exactly. So I'm probably getting ahead of us a little bit, but um, are there resources um, for identifying... You yeah. know, plants as you go around. Like, I, I became sort of addicted to iNaturalist when mm-hmm. I moved into the neighborhood just because I could take a picture of something and then it would tell me if it had been spotted nearby mm-hmm. and then people would be like, no, you're a bad person. This is not <laughs> a wild plant. This is, like, a hybrid and it's, mm-hmm. you know, um, collected and yeah, get so... out of here and never come back. <laughs> yeah, iNaturalist is pretty great. I don't personally use it because I have no data space on my phone because <laughs> I take too many pictures. <laughs> um, but iNaturalist is a great resource. Um, there are tons of field guides. Um, they're all arranged a little differently. So I would recommend getting them out of the library first and checking in and just like seeing if it jives with you. Um, and then the Connecticut Botanic Society has a great website that um, organizes flowers by uh, color and plant type and that's kind of like a great the great final resource to know if something is truly native to Connecticut or not Um, and then Illinois wildflowers and Minnesota wildflowers are great websites Minnesota wildflowers if you want to dive beyond the flowers and into the grasses and the sedges they've got some really good resources there but of course that's not Connecticut Mm -hmm. that's Minnesota so you always have to check and see is it truly native or not I, we we as birders ought to know that Connecticut has a failing sedge system, like badly. Like the places where there are like sedge birds, like sedge wrens that mm. used to be around here. Our sedge our sedge health is really bad. It's, there's not enough of it, like like enough expanse of it, and it's not sort of like we should have these birds here that we don't. Every once in a while they show up. Like mm. that that sort of like any of that freshwater stuff has been like almost overlooked because the salt. I think salt marshes take the cake. That's yeah. the precedent. It's a and not the precedent. It's the uh, that's the important shit right now. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. so bad though because I feel like inland there's so much to look at and it almost and you never hear about it anymore. Yeah, yeah, and a lot we have um, a number of endangered skippers that also rely on the sedges. Um, wetlands for a long, long time were seen as really marginal land and were just turned over and made into houses. Just fill them in, get rid of the skeeters, and turn it into a house. Yeah. Um, so now we're finally realizing that that's not a really good way to do it. Um, but yeah, so if you've got a wetland in your property, that's awesome, and that's a great way that you can really make a huge difference by doing some restoration there. Kill the Phragmites. Yeah, mm. kill the Phragmites. <laughs> Cry about the lack of native Phragmites, and then yeah. kill the other Phragmites. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but uh, I'm late to the party. Yeah, <laughs> like Phragmites? Phragmite? So Phragmites australis is a very tall grass. It's called common reed, um, but it's a grass, not a reed. Um, or not a rush, sorry. Uh, that was bad. Um, <laughs> Shame on you, <laughs> you, You're talking to birders, man. It's like, you know. You have no idea what you're You're like, wait, a grass is a reed? Are those the same thing? Or I don't know. So Phragmites is that one you see on the roadsides. It's the really, really tall grass with the purple plume and the big bluish leaves okay um you see it all over the place especially down here on the shore but all the way up through the state um and it what is invasive is actually a subspecies and we do have a native subspecies but it's it's a bait it's very weak um and Mm. it compared to the invasive and heather's on the internet yeah your your typical 
Wet, yeah. 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 It is that grass you think of when you think yeah. about wet areas. Yeah. yeah. Spelled with a PH. Yes. Not supposed to be here. Yeah. That's not supposed to be here. So we have a native subspecies that I believe is more restricted to brackish areas. And then yeah. the invasive Australian one um, just can take anywhere so it doesn't need that salt it grows in oh yeah the any native place. one is really it's not a fragmite thin. yeah that's a fragmite sorry i had to like, yeah. that's fine as you soon as i heard it was Australian. anytime <laughs> that, anytime <laughs> and the opportunity for an accent that's, arises yeah well, we have so much of that yeah also horrible yeah and that's one where you can really clearly see that in japanese knotweed you can really clearly see that they spread through our roadways uh-huh. so yeah. that's just another way that we are Seed not disperse, helping. Seed oh, dispersal. Man. We're fucking horrible people, things, humans. But that also means that if you have access to a roadway, putting native plants there and native plants that have wind dispersed seeds can be a great way to kind of shove those back into the ether and get those going up to places where they might might take. So we had be, we had birders super interested in this in, in this episode. Yeah, we, people, people were excited, really excited about this. About That's exciting. We were very <laughs> excited. I like I was saying I have like a huge. Uh, like a huge thing for plants. We mm-hmm. have a lot of crappy plants at home. They're all fucking horrible house plants. But I real, but you know, there are things that I've mm-hmm. grown accustomed, like love for, like yeah. pitcher plants. I really love nepenthes yeah. and things like that. Or begonias, man. Give me a begonia anyway. <laughs> I love begonias so much. They're the coolest plants ever. He's begone mad for begonias. <laughs> yeah, any cane begonia, I want it. If it's a weirdo leaf. I want it because they're the fucking coolest things. But that's beyond, that doesn't matter. I have no idea why I started that. <laughs> no, I do know why. Typical of People this wanted to know uh-huh. what, you, you just talked to Scott, like you told him like what to look for to set up their yard. But birders yeah. want to attract the right birds and yeah. the right pollinators. Mm-hmm. If you're not from Connecticut, like what do you, what do you want to do? Like what's like... Give us like the top five or something steps you can take, like yeah. resource acquisition, stuff like that. Yeah, so stop using herbicides and pesticides. Just stop it. Just and... fucking stop. <laughs> weed with your damn hands. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, weed with your hands and stop taking the damn clover out of your lawn. It's helping. White mm. clover is not native, but it's going to make you not need to fertilize your lawn. And um, that's one of those big it's lucky things sometimes. that plus yes, you can get a rabbit. Lucky. Yes, yes. And <laughs> yeah, and lots of things love it. Um the the honeybees do love it. Um they really do. so yes, yeah, stopping using any sort of those the synthetic chemicals um and then just stopping weeding so much. Mm. Keep going pulling out all those invasive species you have, but just leave everything else go. Even those plants that you have learned to call a weed your whole entire life about 50% of those are native. Once you exclude the invasives of the weeds that are left, 50% are native, 50% are naturalized. So all those native plants, just because there's something we don't like, doesn't mean they're not extremely helpful for the ecosystem. So leaving those and starting to learn to identify them. Um, and I would, it seems scary and overwhelming to think about plant families, but it's really helpful to kind of give yourself that framework. And start with your garden plants. Start with the plants you know really well and learn their scientific names. <laughs> and that'll, yeah. <laughs> um, and that'll start, help give you a, a nice framework. So, like, learn what family your tomatoes in, learn yeah. what family your eggplants in. Oh, that's the same family? Oh, that makes sense. And then you can start to see those. Um, images together um let's see i keep asking for resources yeah um can you off the top of your head and i don't want to put you on the spot but because we can always link to it in the show later Mm -hmm. um is there a good 
text that you recommend or a book that you like? Yeah, so all of Doug Tallamy's books are fantastic. He's out of, I believe, the University of Maryland. So Bringing Nature Home is a really good one. Um, And that one, kind of getting back to Sean's question, has a great chapter called What Does Bird Food Look Like? And it just goes through tons of different bugs and how important they are. And um, so there's a there's a program start that started up in the western the southwestern corner of the state called the Pollinator Pathways. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the women who is in, uh, running it has a really terrible story of encountering a bird's nest filled with feeder bird seed and some starved baby birds. Because they need the protein of the caterpillars yeah. and the other insects to grow up to maturity. So you could yeah. be filling your bird feeder all day, every day, and that's not. It's mm-hmm. kind of kind of like opening up a McDonald's in a <laughs> in a town where all the food are food trucks. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's right there. It's consistent, but it's cheap and crappy. And like, yeah. you should really go try to find the food trucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, a bunch no. of, there's a, just a bunch of fat cardinals flying around yeah. everywhere. They're just like no. oversized. I had this sluggish. wonderful spring watching the baby birds get fer- fed our bird seed, and now I'm like, no. Well, you know, the uh, the Carolina pigeons got crop milk from the parents, <laughs> and then they turn into uh, seed eaters anyway. They're 100% vegetarian, so th- so they're fine. Yeah, but the all the other birds are dead now. We don't we don't have to be guilty. We just have to be better. And yeah. also the, the, the cardinals, you know, when we saw them being fed in the bushes, the parents were flying around. They weren't going to the feeder and then no. back to the baby. They were coming back with bugs. Yeah, so. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, there was a there was a healthy mix going on, but there was a moment where I'm like <gasps> a bunch of mm. cardinals yeah. with cardiac problems. Mm. Yeah, so definitely one of the cardinals. Cardinal Cardinal vascular. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I just had to set it up. That was a beautiful opportunity. Myocardial Thank you for infarction. Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, my God. Just bringing oh, home the bird puns. Yes. This is great. You're not even a birder and you've got the bird puns. Down. That was so really, good. really well done. Yeah. Really well done. Thank you very much. I'm giving you a gold um, star on the way out. So you were talking about, what's the word that you use for, like, native but not really native? A nativar. So a nativar, it's it's a portmanteau of cultivar, which is also a portmanteau of <laughs> cultivated varieties. So mm. it's just a native cultivated variety. Um, so, so like there's seeds, right? Like you can get seeds that mm-hmm. are not necessarily native. Is th- those would be nativar seeds? It would or? depend. Some um, some seed companies do try to have a really like seemingly wild type um, mix but if they're not from Connecticut that's not Connecticut wild type it might be Nebraska it might be Illinois really a lot of the uh, the prairie states have been doing a great job of plant restoration and that's awesome but we kind of exist on the edge of a lot of those plants ranges so you look up and you're like oh yes this this blazing star is native here but it's not really the same thing um so are there sure so are like there are there recommended <laughs> companies uh, like seed companies or uh, yeah does, or is yeah. it just you? <laughs> That's a really good. I am yeah. actually very interested in. This. Aren't there like shitty seed companies like like liars and fucking people you can't trust in the seed world? I, is that a real thing? I have seen so many packets of native North American seeds. Mm. What the hell is a native North American plant? California is completely different from the United from Connecticut. California is completely different from the United States. Um, California. Not wrong. You're not so wrong. Ca- they, they're, um, 
and even within a species, even if something is native here and native there. So take red maple, for example. It's native Maine to Florida. A tree from Florida is not going to survive a Maine winter. A tree from Maine is not going to survive in the Florida Everglades. So... Yeah, I would definitely advise against those northeast seed mixes even because um, mm. you don't really know what that is. I've seen so many people put down seed mixes and it's got like bachelor buttons in it. It's like, I guess they could eat, I guess the honeybees will like it. And um, I guess something I haven't mentioned, um, honeybees are not native. Yeah. Honeybees are livestock. Honeybees are tiny cows. The ones that... <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just, that's, that's never going to go away now. I'm sorry. Just get little wings on them. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, and the, the there are wild honeybees, but they're feral. They're, they're not as bad as cats, but they're basically cats. Like, they're just out there taking up space that something else could use um, and taking up resources that something else could use. Um, that's not to say honeybees aren't incredibly important. We would be very, very hungry without them. Yes. But... Hmm. But they're European. Yeah, but they're they're European, mm-hmm. and focusing on them and the flowers that would help them are not at all what's going to help our native bees. Or not necessarily not at all, but um, not necessarily what's going to help our native bees. You said mm-hmm. before there's a lot of specialists, and I I, yeah. I, I believe that a lot of our pollinators are specialists, correct? Like we have a large percentage of yeah. like spe- specialized pollinators that are probably dying. Yeah, I would, it's... Around 50% wow. of our native of our things that pollinate are specialists. When wow. you get into things that spend their whole lives eating leaves, it's even higher. Jesus. Um, and other classes, things that, um, kind of the, the decomposers and stuff at all. Hmm. So, so as part of your business, mm-hmm. do you help people figure all this shit out and like do a garden plan? Yeah, so I kind of have two, three prongs um, of my, my business. So, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> um, so of course, yeah, I, I sell native plants at the, the Durham Farmer's Market every week, um, and then I do yard consultations, so that's kind of what you're getting at, where I'll go out onto someone's property and botanize with them and write a whole list of everything they've got there, and then um, just kind of discuss what to do, how to change things, where to stop mulching, everywhere. Um, <laughs> and Use the fucking leaves. <laughs> and use leaves instead of mulch? Yeah, don't remove your leaves from your property. Oh, my God, that's, please. That's You're literally throwing out fertilizer when you do that. But, um, yeah, there's no mulch in nature, right? Like, no one goes out there and spreads all, all along. Um, and... When when you mulch, yeah, yeah. When when you mulch, it's not just that you're doing something that's unnecessary. You're actually suffocating things. So we have lots and lots of our native uh, bees and wasps burrow in the ground. So when you put down a thick, nice five inches of mulch, you're (laughs) suffocating. Great. Now I have to go out and I have to rake (laughs) up an entire front yard's worth of mulch. (laughs) This is my favorite. But you know what? This is great because now you're saving us so much money because you wanted to mulch the backyard. And I'm like, why (gasps) to wait on that? That's uh, son of a bitch. (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, it'll take, it'll take, our, our landscaper is fine. Um, Jake, very affable fellow. He comes from a different perspective of gardening. He is an ungardener, and he is a gardener. Is there like a middle ground? 
Uh, for for people that like, yeah, because... stop making us all feel so bad. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I, terrible feel like... I think seriously because you, yeah. people want to have like a yard space. People want to have like somewhere for their their family, like you yeah. rolling around in the grass and stuff. Like, I mean, without getting ticks. Yeah, no. Sorry I mean... about the Lyme disease, uh, by the way. Oh, Lyme Thanks. disease, yeah. buddies. Yeah. Woo. Um, yeah, you mean my mom? <laughs> man, that's the worst. Well, you yeah. and half of Connecticut. Yeah. Yes. I mean... But is is there like a middle ground that people where people can like have? Is, can you have like a section of yard is that gonna help yeah do as yeah as as little as you want to do will be helpful okay so you throw one golden rod in the ground and you're gonna make some stuff happy yeah um so i would say definitely like i mean you're kind of working against yourself if you use herbicide on one part of your yard and not the other those things i would say just it's kind of all out but as far as actually like rewilding it's like being a birder and voting for trump (laughs) i mean um (laughs) i'm sorry what do we do what do i do about my neighbors though do I have to worry about the neighbor's true green? <laughs> yeah. Their herbicide? I mean, this, so... this guy, like, rolls up in a tanker truck and, like, down the street, and they just get out, like, a fire hose, and they're just, like, blasting it's this property. So and, like, we're walking down the street. With and, like, our son, literally covered, our little baby. Covered James's yeah. face and, like, yeah. ran away. We're like, don't breathe, buddy. Don't breathe. Yeah, I mean, that that's... Hard. That's definitely the hardest part. I mean, you can start trying to talk to them, just ease in little by little by Fuck little. Fuck true green, like, man. Yeah, oh, man. no. Fuck there's... those people. I forgot That's about. I forgot mm. about the suburbs. What like it's like basically like it's brutal. Yeah. It's like the ecological it terrorism. Is really small yeah. scales all the time. If you look at our yard, you'll notice it's mostly dead because I don't water it, and it's got clover mm. and crabgrass and weird plants no. and i mean i'm just like uh, i feel i mean it's a wet year but mm-hmm. still i feel a little bad about just like throwing you know hundreds of gallons of water onto my lawn i don't know I yeah don't. so well one great thing about native plants is they are more or less adapted to our rain regimes mm-hmm. so they definitely need way less water once they're established um and especially around here we've really got a heavy preponderance of perennials so their roots get deep down and they are good and they might get a little wilty but they'll probably be fine hmm. um they're good at this but yeah it's hard we there's no commercially available native turf grass mm-hmm. um so just letting things be as much of a mix as possible in the lawn can really be the best way to not have to water as much um sometimes shade. strawberries show up yeah shade. yes yeah wild strawberries love your lawn it's awesome uh violets and, love your lawn yeah um there's wild lots strawberries are the yeah coolest thing. they are they're fantastic and they're um, delicious Mm-hmm. You don't even have a yard, Sean. Oh, no, not right now. <laughs> what about, yeah, that, hey, thank you for that. That's a really good segue. What about us fucking city dwellers? I have, I live on the, I'm sandwiched in between two old ladies, like yeah. in the middle of one of the worst neighborhoods in the city. How do I, what do I do? Yeah, so if you've got space to do a planter of plants, that's that's a great little way station. Um, but if you, if you live in a... See? <laughs> the idea of being a way station yeah. for pollinators. That's, that's actually really cute. That's a good, really like, cute. container plant. Um, <laughs> microphones. Yeah. Hmm. Man, you don't. You want to probably uh, err away from some of the the larger perennials because those roots will just get so root bound. But a lot of our native plants really are a lot able to pre- reproduce at kind of any size. So I've got um, evening primrose that are about six inches tall going to flower producing seed i've got ones that are out in my yard that are like nine feet tall so 
the plants kind of um, will respond to the space that you give them. Um, But man, really, it's just a matter of what you can find and what you want. Um, What you can find respectfully. Begonias is what he wants. (laughs) I I mean, I want to grow those inside my house. I'm I'm on the outside. It's a whole different story. Like I want to like what can I put like. On my back deck, or my little tiny little thing that's not actually really a deck. Like. Yeah, um, well, anything in the Aster family is going to be, like, awesome. really edible really to a lot of things. That. Yeah, so Asters uh, make very few uh, secondary metabolites and compounds that are uh, kind of things they produce to make things stop eating them. So they're um, they're very palatable for things, and um, that means that when you plop that, that goldenrod or that Aster wherever it's going, you're going to get a ton of generalists who all just come in on it and can be happy, um, as opposed to something like <clears throat> uh, one of the milkweeds, where you've got a much smaller um, subset of species that will utilize that. Okay. So. What are some other famous asters that oh, we can... Oh, man. So many. Joe pie weeds are great, but those would be a little big for a container garden. Um the asters do tend to be a little large. Smaller things would include the violets, which are all really great. Okay, um, that's cool. Yeah, any of our St. John's worts. We've got a whole bunch oh. of native ones. Um, and you can probably do something medicinal with it, too. Yeah. Mm, I don't know what, um, but... Yeah, fun fun party trick with some of the St. John's worts. If you put the plant in alcohol, it turns red. The, the alcohol will turn red. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Red. I'll already love it. But yeah, one of the, the big things to kind of consider is that it's not just flowers that are important. Like uh, grasses, and we, we talked about sedges a little bit, like those are also incredibly important. So even if you just want to throw some little blue stem, because um, that's one that's really widely available in a pot, like that's going to be helpful too. And I think more than just what is in the pot, just as much as you can, the, the diversity and increasing the variety is really what you want to focus on. Is, is chicory native? Because I see it all over this yeah. neighborhood. Chicory is not. Okay. Um, it likes really, really crappy soil. Um, uh, so that's, that's why, why it's growing yeah. in <laughs> <laughs> Figured that's it out. you often see it right on the roadsides. Okay, Once you it. get into the, the woods or into like an actual meadow, you're probably going to find less of that. Okay. Yeah. I just want to break the fourth wall and say that Scott was uh, like darting his eyes around and you know what? I think that cricket in the background, if we can hear it, I think it goes well with a native plant discussion. It's, good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's like we're in the field. Oh, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I wanted to kill that cricket. Yeah, I saw it. I, heard it. I was I just like, you're... I am going to do some cricket murder later on. <laughs> like me outside, getting... a flashlight, a tiny baseball bat. <laughs> Scott, and like anything getting in the way of Scott's like pristine audio is no bueno. <laughs> Sorry, cricket. This is, well, I put one, so there was one in the, that door was is, a, is a Bilko door on the uh, outside. Yeah. And so it just is home to like hundreds of spiders and crickets and Ew. other stuff. But there was Let one that was just like, and I'm like, just getting the audio check like done. I'm like, this is, this will not stand. Yeah. And I, I open the door and there's just this giant fat cricket who's just like, and i'm like i bet it's you fatty and i grabbed him and he's like jumping around through spider webs and i'm covered in spider webs <laughs> i bring him up to show james and and he's just well whatever i put him outside mm. yeah scott doesn't actually kill bugs i don't scott kill except for mosquitoes 
Fair. I yeah, sorry. It's like uh, yeah. Zika and West Nile, and I'm just not taking the chance. Yeah, and mosquitoes you and stupid ticks. zebra spider. So, yeah. um, do you do you utilize your native plants? Like we were talking about medicinal. You were talking about making the uh, donkey donkey weed wine. I don't. Yeah, donkey weed, donkey tail. I always call no, it Japanese knotweed. It yeah. is Japanese yeah. knotweed, but. I looked donkey it on weed. Wikipedia once, yeah. and I saw I all the crazy Japanese names. Yeah, yeah. It's also called donkey weed. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is why we call morning doves Carolina pigeons. Yes. Yeah, if yeah. it amuses us, we'll yeah. just run with it. So do you do stuff? I, yeah, I try to eat as much as I possibly can out of the yard. Um, I'm very intrigued by the medicinal um, world, but I am not an herbalist by any stretch of the imagination. Um, my, good, my neighbor and good friend is working towards her clinical herbalist uh, degree, so I'm hoping to do oh, some wow. stuff with her in the future. Kind of, um, a clinical herbalist? Some... Yeah. Cool. Yeah, is that at Bridgeport? Or th- no? No, um, I'm not sure who she's going through. That's cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I've heard of, our... of that. Yeah, it's really neat. And a lot of, uh, finally, people are starting to say, hmm, maybe these traditions are things we should actually test in studies so there is finally starting to get a bit of a Mm. scientific corpus behind some medicinal plants and actually a bunch of our invasive ones are super potent so i know there's been some really promising research on japanese knotweed and lime and some oh i heard this yeah it's pretty neat um and some we get all that how how ironic i I believe (laughs) i believe that it is a um from the roots is it coming wine form i have no clue i I should check that out yeah Yeah. you guys Um, need to like get together and figure this out (laughs) yeah yeah. definitely let's make some wine and cure lime women wine and cure lime (laughs) yeah Yeah. that sounds sounds like a fundraiser that sounds like milford's gonna be all about it yeah something you're gonna find at tj maxx on a printed on some they're gonna be guys at that party wearing like salmon colored oh, shorts all and the polo chubbies, shirts all with the chubbies. <laughs> horrible i'm sorry that i'm sorry i just created it's that. connecticut we can't help it's it connecticut. Oh, i left that out into the world and yeah. it's my responsibility i'm so sorry well heather and i are, are invasives in connecticut but um mm-hmm. john's a native i'm a native mm-hmm. yeah i'm the worst <laughs> In so many ways. I with you. Are there any other? I could tell you're wearing stripes. Fucking navy, navy and white stripes over here. Yeah. yeah. Damn. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. That's beautiful. I deserve that. Every bit of it. Are there <laughs> any other um, plants that you like to use, like our favorites? Yeah. What's your oh, favorite man. native? Oh, I love them all. Um. You can only choose one. Oh man, my absolute. <laughs> okay, two at the two at the most. <laughs> oh God, they are just all so wonderful. I just I gotta say I I'm an ecologist, so the interaction between them is just the coolest things. I uh, love yeah. daughter because it's parasitic and just Ooh. looks like someone took a can of orange silly string and just went to town. Mm. And I just think that's so fascinating. Can you spell that for um, me? D o d d e r. Word. I'm gonna Google uh, that later. Don't call it daughter. Daughter. Sweet. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. I got you. Pearl I got Jan. that. I got that Eddie Vedder. I wasn't gonna be the one to do it. I'm just saying. I'm sorry. Yeah. After the blue and white striped shirt comment, I cannot. Well, start I can. I can add Pearl Jam. Yeah, I can to add, my, add that to my fucking grief. So. I'll it add really my bad like Eddie Vedder impression to my bad Australian accent uh, awesome. earlier. Wow. What? That's it's wacky. Sick. And that is one that you can also use as a dye plant. So I, I, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Damn it. Is this going to be like a two-part episode? I feel like <laughs> yeah. we're going to fucking, we're dying here. Yeah, it might have to be. Um, How about 
if you if you had to pick one plant for a a, a yard, if everybody if you were on the spot mm, for like every fucking homeowner in the state to put one native plant in their yard, what's the best thing you could do? Or do you have you can't even do that because the state's yeah. stratified. You yeah, gotta... I think if if I had to pick a a group of plants, I think I would have to go with the goldenrods just for how. Yeah, just for how incredibly um, yes. useful they are. You pop that in your yard, and you're going to not be able to deny that pollinators are more than bees and butterflies. You're going to see so many wasps and flies and beetles crawling all over that, ants. You're going to see so many levels of the ecosystem. Within the leaves, I guarantee you'll see uh, leaf miners. So these are tiny little larvae, usually of microleps, so little moths that um, are either laid on the egg is either laid on or in the leaf and then the larva just goes around and eats everything but the cuticle so it leaves the top and the bottom and then you can see these little patterns of where it's eaten inside so yeah and then (laughs) goldenrods all have almost every species of goldenrod pretty much will get some kinds of galls so those again are um cool another kind of baby insect that hangs out mm, in it. Okay. So it's um, moths um, and wasps are two of the, the most common perpetrators of galls, but both also... Pollinators. Yes, both pollinators, but also funguses. So the um, little baby, little spore gets in there, the plant reacts, and it's kind of uh, similar to how an oyster makes a pearl. It's like an immune reaction to just huh. uh, cordon it off. But that makes a great little home for whatever's living in there. And then it either develops and becomes whatever it's going to become, or it's basically a lunchbox for birds. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, that's a great way to kind of bring things in. Um, yeah. People, fucking listen to Aubrey. <laughs> All right. For real. I'm, I'm going to ask the um, I rebuild woodpecker question. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so... Sean at the end of every episode asks um, if if the if the guest believes in the continued presence of this uh, yeah. sort of bird. mythical bird that like no one's really seen mm-hmm. for a very long time. For, are you aware of the ivory billed woodpecker? I am aware of the oh, ivory billed woodpecker. Okay. Yes. Well, I guess. All right. So, do you believe? From a, that um, it still from, as an ecologist, you're. So, act, this is a real. Actually, this is a really good opportunity. As an ecologist, thank you, Scott. I wasn't gonna ask because, like, <laughs> I didn't know if there was a good connection. But, fucking Scott's pers- pushing this forward, and I just want to say thank you formally on the air. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> as an ecologist, I I I'm actually super interested to hear this. Please. Yeah. So, um, at the at the penalty of getting my degree revoked, I must state that I do not believe in the ivory-billed woodpecker. Mm. Um, <laughs> penalty of getting your degree revoked. Um, um, but jokes aside, um, yeah, as an ecologist, it even if there is one or two, it's functionally extinct. So that's kind of my feeling about it. There's always relic things out there in the world, but um, if they're not really functioning as part of the ecosystem, it's as good as being extinct. Woof. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Okay, so no, I, where I was going with it, not that, <laughs> I mean, we all knew that, Sean, I'm sorry, but you're just going to have to... Keep no, the I like that's Keep like a good. Bearing the torch. I like that it's a maybe. There's a couple of relics. The audacity of hope, Sean. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm cool seeing a relic. There, <laughs> is there a an ivory billed woodpecker of the sort of Connecticut plant world? Is there a sort of Ooh. mythical flower that maybe might exist like in a on a slope of a mountain in Kent? Probably can't talk about it. W- will yeah. would she even talk about it if she knew? I, I know. Yeah. I mean, so in my my other job as a, a field ecologist, 
I do get to see a lot of really amazing endangered plants. And there there are tons that are, um, the historic records say they're here and they aren't anymore and they're all up just in Massachusetts. Um, but I can't, mm. there's not one in particular that there's like unending quests mm. for. Okay. Yeah. That's, I actually think that that's good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, there's not, definitely. Not the part about them being functionally yeah. extinct in Connecticut. The other part. <laughs> Is it but extirpated I, or whatever when it's not here but it's yeah, somewhere else? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Dope. I learn yeah. things sometimes. This is remarkable. Yeah. It's got the vocabulary yeah, I'm, tonight. Then, Some impressed. Latin earlier, <laughs> extirpated. Uh, yeah. Nepenthes, extirpated. That's my vocabulary right there. Mm. But there is, yeah, there is one thing about endangered plants that kind of can seem a little counterintuitive. Um, if you're wanting to help bring back native plants into Connecticut, you go online, you find the list of the list of Connecticut endangered plants. And you're like, hey, I can get tons of these over at Prairie Moon or whatever nursery company. You really don't want to do that. So I, you can almost be guaranteed that whatever plants you're able to find from wherever are not going to be the Connecticut genetics. Mm. And then you bring that plant in, you plant it in your yard. Most of our, in, many of our endangered plants um, aren't super duper hidden off in crazy places. They might be surprisingly close to you. So you bring in that foreign one and then it cross-pollinates with the native one and then you're swamping out our native genetics which are what is actually endangered you're just muddying up the fucking gene pool. yeah mm. yeah this is Jeez. like real science i mean like <laughs> yeah. it's like you're dealing with a laboratory and your your yard is a petri dish and you yeah. don't want to like move too far from your petri dish in order yeah. to like make the ideal ecosystem yeah yeah Oh, I think we're all fucking doomed. Jesus <laughs> Christ. We're, you know, we're just trying to keep it positive. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Despite the, uh, despite <laughs> everything we read about in the, in the news every day. Um, yeah. You exist. You're doing some cool work. Thank you. <laughs> where can, let's say you've inspired people around yeah. us to like, to, where can they find you? They don't want to buy a book. Mm -hmm. where where can they find you i know you're on instagram yeah so i'm on instagram yeah instagram at ungardening um i also have a facebook um which you can just search ungardening native plants um and a, a wordpress um but i'm also at the durham farmer's market every thursday from 3 to 6 30 we're running until uh september 12th taking a short break for the durham fair and then continuing up picking up a couple of weeks in october um, and right now I don't have any more upcoming talks and walks scheduled, but I'm hoping to get some in the middle half of September and through October doing mm. some plant ID walks and, um, kind of introduction to restoration gardening and ungardening. Can Falmouth podcast go with you on a walk? Absolutely. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, be cool fun. at some point to do like a, a cross, you know, um, uh, walk where yeah. it's yeah. like birding and yeah. plants we'll bring yeah. some some birding nerds cool yeah i'm actually doing a similar walk um tomorrow as we record um with a group called birding for pleasure in durham oh, and right. they're yeah they're kind of um it's it's a run by this one woman who just got into birding like about a year ago mm. so she is super not intimidating she's really friendly and nice mm -hmm. and um it's kind of trying to get birding much like you guys are doing um to a broader group of people yeah, it's nice. very similar does she so. fucking swear or what no, she doesn't yeah. much. Yeah. She does talk politics, though, so that's always good. All right. <laughs> as long as they're the right politics. Because yeah. there is a right and wrong. <laughs> that's dirty enough. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I feel like I just want to say thanks because I, 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 I feel like I just learned more in, like, the last however 
fucking long we've been babbling mm. and i have in a long time this is really really this really is like an information overload yeah this is i'm, I'm like really looking forward for to while. listening to this episode yeah, do you not feel like the biggest asshole kind yes. of right I, almost all i the time. really do oh, i feel yes. like i am the most oh. like no it's a good thing like yeah. i need to like i need yeah. to be way I better yeah i feel yeah. like when i first got into veganism and i'm mm. like oh yeah, like, god i gotta I do oh shit but you know, I took that challenge. I figured it out. I feel like our 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 yard is gonna be a challenge. Mm-hmm. I thought it was gonna be sort of hard. Now it feels really, really hard. But I think you know we can do it in steps and stages. You know what yeah. the most important thing is though? It's fucking worth it. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and biting off as much as you can chew is totally an acceptable way to go about it. Like oh, you don't yeah. have to do everything all at once. Like mm-hmm. yeah. And um, one big tip uh with the vast majority of invasive bushes you don't need to dig out the root ball you're just gonna drive yourself crazy just cut it down it'll send up some respouts cut them down as quick as you can do that a couple times and in like two three years it'll be pretty much starved out so put the can of gas down mm-hmm. yeah don't burn your yard yeah, down you don't need to burn it to get and rid of the spice bush yeah well, you shouldn't get rid of the spice bush. Spice bush is native. It is? Yeah. Burning bush. Burning, burning bush. bush. Oh, okay. Jesus bush. Christ. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, spice, bush is a, bush. spice bush is a great one that's uh, really available in, Fell into that. <laughs> in um, markets. And it grows uh, in the shade and in the sun. Oh. It grows entirely in the shade in the wild, but people routinely plant it out in full sun and, and uh, landscaping. And it seems to work just fine. And that's one that um, is also edible. Nice. So that's why it's mm. fun. Nice. Love yeah. this. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank Thank you so much. Ungardening, changing the fucking world, one native plant at a time. Yeah. Sick. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Foul Mouths. We hope you liked this one as much as we did. We just want to say thanks to Aubrey for teaching us the value of clover and how we're all shitty humans for manicuring our lawns and mulching our beds. We've got some really great guests lined up for you. Don't forget to rate and comment because, as you know, we desperately need your acceptance. So while you're losing your mind trying to separate those fall black poles from bay-breasteds and those dead silent empids, just remember, it's way fucking easier in spring.